Have you ever wondered what the heck is next for me? I hear a lot of women say they don't have what it takes to start something new or they are too old, but many women overcome all kinds of obstacles and then go on to something even better. Over the years, I've worked a lot of traditional jobs as well as direct sales businesses, but never realized the success I was hoping for until I released my emotional baggage. Once I had cracked the code of my emotions, I knew I could help other women do the same. Join us here as we chat with female experts as they share their inspirational stories and challenges in business and life, because it is never too late. I'm your host, Cora Naylor, and this is the Crack the Code podcast. Did you ever know that how you deal with money says a lot about how you deal with life? Welcome to the Crack the Code podcast. Today, I'm so excited to introduce Kim Curtis. Kim is a best-selling author of Money Secrets, The Keys to Smart Investing and Retirement Secrets. She's a nationally recognized wealth management advisor and president and CEO of the Wealth Legacy Institute. Her groundbreaking work in developing a highly personal client-centric planning model was recognized in the Journal of Practical Estate Planning, winning the Editor's Choice Award. She's been profiled in several publications, including the Wall Street Journal, Kim has attained numerous professional designations and been recognized by the financial planning industry as having achieved the highest level of competence and expertise. Welcome, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Nora. Thank you, Cora. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so excited to talk to you because I never really thought of money in that way before, how, how, how we deal with money affects how we live our life because I know like growing up in my generation, it was kind of a money was a secret. You know, my parents didn't really talk about money a lot and even my husband's family as well. And we've kind of just fumbled our way through and figured things out as we've gone. But uh, I know my friends that had parents that were into it, you know, just kind of seemed to get a better leg up. And so I'm interesting to learn more about what you have to say about that. Well, I love it, Cora, because how you say like they were into it. And sometimes we have opinions about what into it on money means. Uh, Some people think that's not very cool. So a lot of it is really unpacking the stories that were around you or maybe the conversations that didn't exist to see how you show up around money, because you're absolutely right. Money is this invisible thread that navigates and touches every part of our human existence. And so if we think about if we had like a flashlight and these batteries are in the flashlight to create this light, the very first battery, energy battery, would be the money energy. And that money energy battery would touch your relationship energy battery. And and that energy battery would touch your health battery. And that would touch your service and community and spiritual battery. And that's what produces the light of how you live your ideal life in perfect calendar, just like you being in Mexico. I mean, (laughs) you are living it. And so if we don't pay attention to the money, then all those other things are impacted by how we show up. And it's interesting because we have these money receptors and it's kind of like neuroscience, of course, (laughs) and everything on our body tells us how our body responds and what we need. Well, we actually have a money receptor too. So if we understood how do we ignite the money receptor, 
we would be jumping on that because money by itself is just energy. It's nothing. It's only the value that we give it. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we need it. I mean, we're always thinking we want more, but at the same time, I always kind of know, you know, it just comes with more problems if you don't know how to deal with it too, <laughs> right? Whether you have a lot or have a little. You um, know, again, it's, it's really, when we talk about those money receptors and how do we ignite it, it really comes back to understanding that money is actually looking for you, mm. not the opposite. And I wonder how many of your listeners are, what did she just say? Money yeah. is looking for you. And I would ask the listeners to actually think about how did they respond to that when they heard me say that? Were they receptive, thinking there's something here that we're going to talk about that will be of value to them? Or were they like, what is she talking about? Right? Because yeah. what, however you responded is an indicator of what your money receptor is. Mm -hmm. It's visceral and we all have a response. It's kind of like, when you turn the corner and you see this, at least from my son's perspective, you see this high end Lamborghini or Porsche and he would take a picture of it and think how amazing some people would think who would spend that much money on transportation. Yeah. That's kind of how I think because, and where could you even drive it? There are no highways <laughs> built for that. There's too much traffic. That's right. And the other one is if you see someone on the street asking for money, do you have a story or feel sorry about that person? Or do you cross the street and ignore them or say, get a job? We all have responses to money and that is your money receptor. And once you start to know what your receptor is telling you, then you'll know whether you're magnetic enough for money to find you. Because what money is looking for is like, if we say, I need money, I need money. Well, you're absolutely right. You will always need money. Or if you think that money is evil, that's right. You will never have enough money. But if you understand that money is looking for you and it's looking for your ideas and your creativity and your imagination and your vision and your values, that's what creates the receptor. It triggers the receptors because then you put it of use of value and create something of use to the world. It's kind of, I grew up, we talked about this in the green room that in Niagara yeah. Falls or in Buffalo, right near Niagara Falls, which separates the Canadian border and Buffalo and New York state. And then Niagara Falls has enormous power and is electricity for almost half the state of New York because of the power plants that line its banks. So Niagara Falls would not have any power unless it were the power plant. It's the power plants that line its banks, just like money needs your ideas to become of use to the world. It has no value until it has your ideas and imagination and creativity to become of use to the world, just like the power plants for Niagara Falls. Interesting. Interesting. wonder how people can create some more of that. That's right. That's right. And coming from me, because remember, Cora, I think I shared the story with you that I grew up with divorced parents and had a little shame red ticket that I had to give to that lunch lady cashier every mm -hmm. day that would show I'm poor, my parents are divorced, I have no money. And that shame carried with me into school, college and law school and quickly defaulted on my school loans. I had no business having immense debt. So when you hear this coming from me as the CEO of a wealth management firm, trust me, from my own experience, I know it to be true. Yeah, and I think a lot of people were brought up like that, not necessarily with a lot, or if they did, come up like that without much it's really made them think of money in a different way like they work hard because they don't ever want to go back to that place <laughs> very very true i think that triggering the money receptor more than anything is comes back to self-respect and self-love 
Um, because what happened to me is I had an anonymous person pay a thousand dollars on my school loan debt. Mm-hmm. And because it was anonymous, I couldn't ask them. And that back then a thousand dollars was like a million to me. Yeah. Back then. I put it in yeah. perspective. Yeah. Um, I couldn't ask them, you know, why me or what do you want? So I had to have that, those questions with myself. And when I realized, well, someone believes in me, what do they believe in? Who am I? What do I believe in me? At that point, it was kind of like a spark. And that spark triggered like, who am I really? What am I going to do? And that was the start of me. From that point on, I knew that I was going to be responsible for the outcomes in my life, that I was going to be aware, one, two, show self-respect of myself. In other words, pay attention to money. Don't put my head in the sand because how you do money is how you do life. If your head is in the sand on money, it's in the sand in other areas of your life. And that was a good Mm -hmm. example for me. I totally was not aware of money around me and had no wealth consciousness around me. So that was the start. And it was a journey. It's a process. But I slowly became more aware and slowly took responsibility for the choices that I was making around money because money is frenetic. It's all over. And our job is to put it down here as a foundation so that we can live our best life and not be crazed by it. So the sooner you could put it down here on automatic pilot, all of a sudden you're in control of it and the master of it versus it mastering you. Yeah. And I think that that's the tricky part for a lot of people because they don't even realize that they could even have that power to be able to do that. Self-respect and self-love is the initiator that creates the awareness that allows you to take the steps, initial steps that you need to do for self-care that all of a sudden allows you to be receptive to money. And that's when you get your ideas and your imagination and your creativity and your vision and your values knit into something. Yeah. So interesting. It's almost like in relationships, you know, like when you're looking for the perfect guy and, you know, when you stop looking, they show up (laughs) because you get busy doing something else. And that's when you start really looking after yourself and doing things for yourself. And it's almost like now you don't need it. And then it shows up. And I think in some ways it's sort of like that with money in a way too. You get busy, like you say, doing self-care and looking after being creative, how you want to show up in life. And then the money comes too. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's really true. I mean, when I think of in the nature of my work uh, and what we do working with clients, people come to us to manage their money. That's the initial piece. So if you think of a pyramid, you have Maslow, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the bottom is um, survival, food, clothing, shelter, and the top is self-actualization. But if you turn it into my business, the bottom is managing money. That next step is financial planning. It's goal setting. It's Mm -hmm. what is important to you. And you need to put two of them together, managing money and goal setting uh, so that you can get to that next level of that pyramid, which is peace of mind, lifestyle. And the pinnacle of that is impact. When you can have peace of mind and lifestyle and not worry about money, you can breathe to actually think, why am I here? What difference am I going to make? And what am I going to do to to live my best life for fulfilling and making a difference and what, why am I here? Because we all feel, many of us feel like there's more than what we're currently doing. Like, it's like, yeah. there has to be more than this. Yeah. Well, and I know, and that's part of my podcast is talking to women and interviewing them to find out what we're doing later in life, because now we have all this life experience and we have more time, you know, we've grown our families and now it's time to focus on us and what we want to do for the rest of our lives. 
And a lot of women are starting businesses, but some just, you know, want to retire and enjoy that kind of a lifestyle. You know, what kind of tips could you give the listeners for if they're not in the lifestyle where they want to be, maybe it's midlife, whatever, you know, what kind of things can they do to shift what they're doing with their money? I appreciate that. And, you know, I hate to say it, but it's always starts with mindset. It's an internal job, not an external job, as my story for myself reveals. But I think the number one thing is believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to know that you're worthy. And so that's mm-hmm. the second is know that you are loved. Yeah, it's so important to know that you're loved. And then I would I would say the third is remove victimhood, no blaming, complaining, excuses, because that's where I was after law school. It's like, ah, what, they're going to take money from a stone. I have no money, you know, and sure enough, I had bad credit for quite a while because of that. So and then the third is forgiveness. You're exactly where you need to be. And whatever journey you took, You had to take that to be where you are today so that you could do your next great adventure. And then I think um, the last two would be, of course, gratitude. You need gratitude. And then lastly is take action. You know, and gratitude, this is important. And uh, there are two laws of money. The human-made laws is what I do every day. That's portfolio construction, tax mitigation, estate planning, retirement planning. But the natural money laws is what we forget. And they're on different frequencies. And the natural Mm -hmm. money laws are giving and receiving, ebb and flow, intention and desire, supply and demand, clear agreements, and even mercy and justice. So if we as women understand that there are two frequencies of money, And the natural money laws is actually inherent in us already. We just need to raise our frequency to be aware of it. And then we need to get smart on the human laws so that they're in harmony. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's sort of like the law of attraction, right? And like you say, you get more of what you think about. And if you're thinking lack all the time, you're getting more lack. Absolutely. I think that's a great, a great summary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So you have, I think, a little something for the listeners today too. What were you going to offer for them that'll be in the show notes? We have several things depending oh. on interest, oh. but the 10 okay. laws of money every investor should have. Uh, we have an aging parent checklist, which is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. And that is at financialliteracypress.com. Yeah. Oh, that's so, and I know a lot of us are going through that with our parents are aging. And I actually talked to a lady recently who's helping people through that as well, because we don't, it's just like raising kids. We were, you know, we didn't get the handbook for that. And we didn't get the handbook for how to help our parents later. And hopefully they will allow us to, because I know a lot of people go through that too, where the parents are difficult. It's almost like toddlers again, trying to deal with what to do with them and later. Very true, Cora. I think you may remember that I lost my mom last year. And so my sister and I put this together and I'm in the business, yet there are still some things that we missed that were not necessarily financially related, but Mm -hmm. more emotionally related, like putting together a playlist of your parents' favorite music. So when they can't talk or share that you have this music in the background that they can enjoy. And that's just one of many wonderful ideas in the checklist. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah, I like that because I know I was just listening to something yesterday about how much sounds, tastes can trigger memories. And that's a really cool one. And what uh, one couple did is they recreated their wedding um, dinner. 
And so whenever they smelled the smells of that, it would take them right back to their wedding day. And they'd been married for a long, long, long time. I love that. Imagine what our senses would say about the smell or touch of unprosperity. Yeah. What do you think our senses would tell us around prosperity? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one to think about. I think of beachy. Yeah, right. (laughs) And the smell of like spas, (laughs) like a spa. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people think they don't know, you know, you don't hear a lot of people saying, oh, I want to go when I'm retired or when I've got all my money. You don't hear a lot of people saying, well, I'm going to go to the mountains and go skiing. (laughs) (laughs) No, they may say they want to walk in nature, but it's definitely not going to the mountains skiing. That's true. (laughs) Unless you are from Colorado. Maybe. We do have seniors yeah. skiing. So yeah, people do, but usually they're always saying they want to go to that island or go to the beach or something like that, right? I'm already getting excited. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. And there was something else. And um, you were going to give us some tips, um, you know, maybe around what we can do. Uh, if, like I say, if we're later in life, maybe we're getting ready to retire and we're not really where we want to be. Do you have some sort of tips for the listeners? We do. And I do. Uh, Retirement Secrets, which is my second book, Keys to Retiring, Happy, Healthy, and Free. And the back of that has enormous uh, exercises Mm -hmm. to actually help you get ready for when the time you step off. And one of them is a couple's assessment, like questions to ask your spouse, because many people are on different pages. Like one spouse may want to buy an RV and travel around the country for a couple of years. And you're thinking, that's the last thing I want to do is be with my mate and cook lunches and do meals. No, (laughs) I don't want that. And so the couple's assessment is really to a place that's a safe place to have that dialogue. Um, And we actually have a retirement secrets workbook that I will make sure that your listeners can get. And that is probably at wealthlegacyinstitute.com, wealthlegacyinstitute.com. And it's a retirement secrets workbook, which is a companion to the book itself and the book you could get on Amazon. But the workbook is where you have a lot of those exercises of mapping out what's next for you. You know what, how do you want to spend the next 20, 30 years of your life? And this book has over 500 activities that you could just go, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. Ooh, that was fun when I was a child. I wonder if that hobby would still be of interest to me today. Okay, I'll rank, I will rank that a two out of four. And it just allows you to quickly go through and then prioritize how and what are those some activities that you may want to think about as you enter retirement. But the most important thing is if you're married, you want to make sure that you and your spouse are having a conversation and that you have a financial plan. And, and if you need a financial advisor, use a financial advisor, but make sure there's someone to help you have those conversations so that you could get on the same page. That is probably the number one thing. And when you do retire, make sure you have a community around you because socialization is keeps you alive. And also your new job is exercising every day. At least six days a week is the new job, because if you're not exercising, you're in decay and decline. And so exercise to six days a week, have a community of people around you, whether it's children or grandchildren, and that will keep you and be actively engaged in something you love. And that will keep you young. Yeah, I love that because it is so important what we eat and what we do, how we move. It's everything. And it's a simple thing if you keep it, start it young enough and keep that routine going. That's so important. And I also love your book being doing the checklist because it's almost like 
remarrying your partner again. Yes. Because, you know, when you first get married, they want you to do that checklist. Some, you know, some people do that and to find out where you are with, you know, finances and all that stuff before you get married, are you going to have kids, all that kind of stuff. And then when you retire, how's that going to look? So it's, that's a great idea to go through all again. It's really important. In the book, it talks about the five D's and the one B and they're nothing that you want. The first is depression. The second is uh, divorce. The graying divorce is high mm-hmm. if you on top of that. The other is drunkenness. Happy hour starts a lot earlier yeah. than before. Yeah. yeah. And I already said depression, yeah. divorce, disability, drunkenness. And there's one more. That is and then disability? The left, uh, just, you know, not taking care of yourself. We kind of yeah. talked about exercising okay. and health. So disability actually does come through. Mm. And the fifth is dependence. Mm. If uh, you or your mate does not have activities that are separate from your mate and your, your sole activities is based on what your mate does, that's a problem. And then the B, the big B is, of course, we could all guess it, boredom. Yeah. So those Ds kind of sneak up on you if you don't have a plan. And that is from research of interviewing a lot of retirees and the nature of my work. And the book is filled with their stories of, you know, happy hour coming earlier, uh, you know, the conversations with your spouse, like you said, uh, because it's your last 20 or 30 years of your life, you're going to spend it together. So you better have a solid relationship with your spouse. Otherwise you have that other conversation of that's the last thing I want to do is spend the next 20, 30 years with my spouse. I need to think of something different, which is unfortunate, but sometimes very true. Yeah. Well, and if you've been both working out of the home or one of you has, and now all of a sudden you're spending all this time together, that's one thing. I know my husband and I are both working at home right now. So, and it's part-time. So it's interesting because being in Mexico here, most of the people are retired and we kind of look at each other. Well, I'd kind of look at myself and go, I don't know, what would we do all day if we weren't working? Right. Yeah. Right. Possibly boredom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, we have a nice balance. You know, usually we have the afternoons off to go and run around, do things. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today, Kim. It's been so enlightening and so interesting to learn about the money stuff that we don't always talk about. Um, What's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they wanted to learn more about what you do? Yes, wealthlegacyinstitute.com, wealthlegacyinstitute.com. And we also have happinessdoesn'tretire.com, which is a campaign where we have stickers and flags that you do what you love and have that sticker with you. And if you go to Instagram on happiness, doesn't retire, you'll see people living their best lives and expressing joy by lifting up that happiness, doesn't retire a sticker. And I just think that to me is what I love living through other people's excitement as well as of course my own and your own. Right. Oh, that's so awesome. So thank you again for joining us today, Kim. And I just want to say to the listeners, you know, if you have, don't have the relationship with money that you want it's just never too late so just you can still make the change and we'll see you next time everybody and remember again it's never too late thank you so much for joining us today if you enjoyed this episode please submit a rating and review and share us with your friends visit my website coranaylor.com to learn more about the Emotion Code or sign up for my free virtual co-working sessions.